All right. Well, um, it's a privilege to be with you, Saints, this morning. I'm in uh, British Columbia, actually in Kelowna, or just in West Kelowna at Morningstar Bible Camp. And um, and we'd like to look together this morning in uh, the Word of God. Uh, maybe before we start, we'd like to pray and ask the Lord's help, and then we're going to look at John chapter 20. So let's let's pray together, and then let's look to the Word of God. Our Father, we're uh, grateful for uh, Christian fellowship. Uh, we're thankful for uh, what you've done uh, for us through the person of your Son, our desire this morning is that as we look into your word, we might see the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and we might be uh, encouraged and built up and that we might be changed. We remember um, uh, the words of the Apostle Paul that as we uh, see in a mirror the word of God, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we're changed and, and, and transformed into his image. And so we pray to that end. We pray for your help in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. I want to read together. Uh, starting in verse 1 of John chapter 20. It says, Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out, and the other disciple, and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen clothes lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who came to the tomb first, went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he, might, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their homes. But Mary Magdalene stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni which is to say, teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Then the same day at evening, 
being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciple therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to them, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Now by way of reminder, um, as we think through chapter 20 of uh, John's Gospel, it's good to be reminded that Um, John's Gospel is not a repetition of the other three Gospels. The other three, of course, we know are often referred to as the Synoptic Gospels, and that's because they're uh, connected together. There's lots of similarity. Um, John's Gospel, as others have ably pointed out, is almost totally unique to himself. Um, More than 90% of his material... Uh, he himself only records. Now, um, Graham Scroggie in his uh, book, in his work on the Gospels, um, shows us that that um, for most of Christianity, conservative Christian scholars have believed that, that John's Gospel was um, written quite late. Um, uh, in fact, you know, he, he would point out that that all of John's five books are written um, probably at the end of almost the first century, probably 90 A.D., uh, or even maybe a little later. And I I think that's rather significant. You know, as we think about um, John potentially writing 60 years after, or close to 60 years after the Lord Jesus Christ has gone to heaven, um, that's significant. That seems like a long time. It's a, almost a lifetime. And, um, and of course, the critics might ask, uh, well, you know, who knows if John even really remembered, you know, these things that happened. Well, we say we don't have to speculate on that because uh, John records for us in the upper room that the Lord Jesus told his disciples that 
there would be this work of the Spirit of God, and he would bring to the disciples' minds his words, his very words, and his works, and would give them understanding in these things. And so, I mean, John's Gospel is is basically a fulfillment of that that verse back in uh, John chapter 14. Um, uh, and so I think that's significant. And, and it is rather significant as you think about, uh, you know, uh, critics talking about John's gospel and his memory. You know, John tells us the day he met the Lord Jesus some 60 years before, uh, back in John chapter 1, and he actually tells us the time of the day that he met the Savior. Uh, and so uh, that's something to to think about. Uh, then uh, it's good to be reminded of how connected uh, John is to to the um, books of Moses. Uh, some have pointed out just in sort of the layout of, of the Bible that, you know, Moses wrote the f- first five books of the Bible. Uh, now, John wrote the last book of the Bible that he himself wrote five books. Um, John connects his gospel uh, and certainly his first epistle to the to the book of Genesis. Genesis 1, as you know, starts in the beginning God created, while John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. Um, but that's not that's not the only connection. There are dozens of connections in John's Gospel to uh, the book of Genesis and to all the writings of, of Moses. Um, John chapter 1, or sorry, Genesis chapter 1, uh, Moses tells us that... that um, that the Lord, in describing his creation, uh, that he made the stars also. Um, I remember uh, listening to a message by Jim Flanagan and him saying that, you know, men, uh, some men have spent their lifetime studying the stars, and, and yet the Lord in his, uh, in his book uh, has five words uh, reserved for the creation of the stars. Uh, he made the stars also. Well, you know, uh, John's not to be outdone by that. You know, in his description of, of the Lord Jesus uh, as the eternal word in John chapter 1, uh, he, in describing the incarnation, which, you know, Luke and Matthew write lengthily about, uh, John says that the word became flesh. And so um, this is a, a connection. Um, uh, you know that... that um, John records the Lord Jesus' first miracle. Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't. Uh, uh, the Lord Jesus' first miracle is is um, connected to Moses' first miracle. And Moses' life, his first miracle, you remember, was he turned uh, water into blood. Well, the Lord Jesus' uh, first miracle was he turned water into wine. And... Um, People say, well, I wonder what the significance there is. Well, John tells us earlier than than that in chapter 1 that the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And so that's a couple of examples from uh, John chapter 1 connected to Genesis. But, you know, even in this section that we've read through, there's this this ongoing uh, this ongoing connection. So, uh, again, that this is not a repetition uh, it's material that we're very uh, grateful for uh, that John tells us. And so uh, John tells us where this all transpired, right? We, we started in uh, verse 1 of uh, chapter 20, but 
you know, he actually tells us at the end of chapter 19 where all these things that we're reading about uh, this morning, where they transpired. And again, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke don't tell us that, but in fact it was in a garden. You notice in verse um, uh, 41, now in the place of, uh, this is of chapter 19, now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, notice, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had been laid. And so the Lord Jesus was um, placed in a tomb in a garden. What's the spiritual significance of that? Well, uh, it's interesting that, that um, you know, Paul in writing about the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, and clearly John chapter 20 is about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, Paul in writing about uh, the resurrection tells us that that Christians aren't buried uh, in cemeteries. You know, uh, this didn't happen in a cemetery. It happened in a garden. And the Lord Jesus wasn't buried in a cemetery. He was planted. And that's what Paul is really driving at in in First Corinthians chapter 15 is that that um, that a seed, right, a, a body, and that's what it is, a body like a seed is planted in the earth. It's sown in corruption and it's reaped in incorruption. We say, well, where does that come from? Well, that's John chapter 12. Uh, John chapter 12, the Lord Jesus tells his disciples that uh, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears forth uh, this innumerable fruit. Well, that's... um hey, that's a main theme of, of John's writings, this idea of the Lord Jesus Christ being planted in the earth and this innumerable host. In fact, we are so grateful, aren't we, as we think about uh, the revelation also written by John uh, of our future hope in heaven. Um, you know, he tells us in chapter uh, 5 of the revelation that, that there's going to be this innumerable host, uh, and we're part of that uh, worshiping uh, the Lord Jesus as the one who was slain. And we often think about Revelation chapter 5 and, and reflect on on the uh, hope of the future. Well, you know, that's only one, one innumerable host. You turn over to Revelation chapter 7, and John writes about this uh, host that he's seen uh, from every tribe, nation, and tongue, uh, ten thousands, upon ten thousands and thousands of thousands again this innumerable host and um he asked this question well, where did this group come from you remember the angel says um uh john you know where they came from those born out of the out of the tribulation or passed through the tribulation so really two innumerable hosts well um you know this is this is the the point that that um, that's what's happening in John chapter 20, is this is this fulfillment from John chapter 12 of this seed being sown in the ground. And, and so that's why it doesn't happen in a cemetery. It happens in a garden. Now, uh, John tells us that uh, also in Revelation uh, chapter 1 that, that the Lord Jesus is the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's the first. He's the last. Well, um, you know, I think that you know what you have here at at the beginning of this whole of John chapter twenty, or this idea of this this garden. Um, you know, he's the seed, right? He's the seed that's planted. Uh, you know, in the church we think of him, the Lord Jesus, as being the uh, the uh, the foundation stone, but he's also the the capstone, uh, keeping you know the first and the last with Revelation chapter one. Well, 
He's the seed from John chapter 12 that's planted in the earth, right? We, we have that, but um, is he not the gardener? I mean, is that not a, a, fair, a fair question to ask? Well, hey, uh, in answer, John, John, 60 years later, writes and says that, um, hey, Mary, Mary thought he was the gardener. That's who she thought she was looking at. And so he's the seed. He's also the gardener. And, and really, this is, this is the emphasis of, of John's gospel, that, that um, the Christian life, the Christian experience is relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, in chapter 21, uh, you know, John in that boat, uh, fishing all night with Peter, catching nothing, uh, that large draught of fish in the morning, uh, you know, John says to Peter, Peter, it is the Lord. And so that's the, that's the emphasis of John's gospel, that it's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what's going to uh, change my life, is relationship with him. Yes, we want to grow, uh, grow in our knowledge of things, but, but, you know, Peter said it's growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. So he's uh, the emphasis here. Uh, it happens in a garden. Uh, you know, the whole thing blew apart in a garden. You know, we read of the Lord's um, first act on behalf of his creation. You remember that. Uh, it's in Genesis chapter 2. I mean, he made, he made, he made, he created, he created, he created. And then you come to Genesis chapter 2. It says this, that the Lord planted a garden and uh, he placed uh, the man whom he created in that garden. And uh, you remember that that first Adam, right? And that's First Corinthians chapter 15. That first Adam, he fell, uh, he fell and uh, brought all of creation down with him. Well, it's fitting, isn't it, in the language of 1 Corinthians 15, that the last Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, would fix the whole thing uh, in a garden. Uh, so Mary uh, comes, uh, uh, Peter tells the disciples, Peter and, and um, John run to the tomb, and I guess it's good to to think about uh, you know that that John's gospel's narrative that the gospels are narrative and so uh, rather than uh, verse by verse not saying that that's not useful but this is in the context of of a story and so uh, you know it's really the first paragraph we thought a little bit about um, you know about the garden scene and then and so it leads from there of Peter and John coming uh, to the tomb and. Um, seeing the grave clothes the grave clothes are left behind and so um you know i'm so uh, grateful to uh neil fraser in his um in his little book uh, the glory of his of his rising um you know because i often wondered about the the grave clothes like the significance of them being left behind well he says you you don't have to we don't have to speculate on that stuff john has given us a clue john has given us a clue in his own gospel and of course he ties the grave clothes from John chapter 20 to uh, John chapter 11. And you remember in John chapter 11 that the Lord Jesus Christ raised Lazarus from the dead. And when Lazarus came out of the tomb, you remember he was wearing his grave clothes. Why? Well, because he would uh, need them again. But now with re- reference to the Lord Jesus, um, the grave clothes were left behind. Why? Because he would never need them again. And we know that to be true. You know, to say that that um, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, how is it unique? Well, it was unique in how he was raised from the dead and the body which he came forth. Others had been raised from the dead. We know that in the Old Testament. Uh, 
some of the prophets raised men from the dead. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ raised more than one person from the dead, but his own resurrection was the first fruits. And that's Paul's point, right? And that's the great emphasis that he makes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 of the uniqueness of the Lord Jesus Christ in his uh, resurrection. And so the grave clothes are left behind. He wouldn't need them again. Um, then in verse 9 it says... Um, or sorry, verse 10, it says, Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. And so I don't think this is a random expression. Um, in Luke chapter 24, you remember it's the same day in Luke 24 is what John is referring to here. But, of course, in Luke 24, it's at the end of the day. And you remember the um, the two, the potentially the husband and wife on the road to Emmaus, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, joins them they have this conversation he takes them back in the scriptures and um, shows uh, shows himself and what he must go through and so they come to their house and the Lord Jesus makes as if he would go further and they invite him into their home and um, he reveals himself to them it's himself that he reveals through the scripture and and then their their hearts are, are burning within them and and um, the Lord Jesus Christ vanishes from their sight, and um, they leave their home late at night. They got home, they leave their home late at night, and uh, they go back to, to Jerusalem to tell the disciples that they'd seen the Lord. And so, uh, you know, I think that's maybe what, what John is thinking about many years later, that, that although he saw the grave close, and it bore truth to the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ had been raised from the dead, it didn't necessarily change their behavior. And again, it's almost like as if John is trying to contrast that the difference on the road to Emmaus was that they saw the Lord. And, and um, hey, again, we, we, we're, we want to emphasize this truth that it's about Christ. That's what's going to, to change our hearts. And so then you have um, this next paragraph, uh, Mary sees the risen Lord. We thought about um, the, we thought about the garden scene. Uh, we thought about um, that, you know, in the first garden, it was, uh, you know, sometimes think about the woman Eve gave to her husband. He ate. Now, we knew Adam was responsible. He's the first Adam. But, um, you know, uh, the influence that his wife was on him, uh, what a contrast here. You know, this this astounding message that the Lord Jesus gives, this message that they knew nothing about in the uh, the Old Testament, Right, that 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 message is given to Mary Magdalene in the garden, and what is it? It's um, I ascend, I am ascending to my Father, to your Father, to my God, to your God, and so um, hey, this is New Testament Christianity, this relationship that we've been brought into by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now it's good to to be reminded that. Um, he still is unique in his relationship. In every way, the Lord Jesus is unique. So he doesn't say, I'm ascending to, to uh, our Father and to our God. Notice he says, I'm ascending to my Father, to your Father, to my God and your God. And I think John uh, has given us an allusion to this even earlier. He says um, that the... Uh, that the linen clothes, uh, the napkin folded in a place by itself. And so it's good to be reminded that in every way the Lord Jesus Christ is unique in uh, relationship by himself. Then the next paragraph, uh, these disciples are now uh, assembled, it says, um, assembled for fear in the upper room. 
the first day of the week. This is that Sunday evening that we've already thought about in Luke chapter 24. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ comes and he stands in the midst. says to them, Peace be with you, in verse 19. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. It says, Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. You know, um, David says in Psalm 92 that um, as he looked out into God's creation, maybe into the nighttime sky, uh, as he was keeping... Um, care of his father's sheep he said that that um the works of your hands he said i i triumph in the works of your hands and so uh what he's saying is that that um that the creation bowed his heart he he reflected on the triumphs of god his majesty and his awesomeness in creation but you know david says in that same verse in psalm 92 he said but the work of your hand has made me glad and you know they they tell us the the bible or the word experts in the hebrew tell us that the work the word work there is in the singular and it really means um one time act and so what david says is i look up into the nighttime sky and see the triumphs of your hands he said i'm i'm bowed uh, in my heart but he said your one time act Lord has made me glad. What's his one-time act? Well, I would suggest to you it's what made the disciples glad here. It's the Lord, and it's his, it's his person, and it's his work. And we know that, hey, this was the doctrine that the Apostle Paul taught. And, hey, it's good to be reminded that, that John would have read Paul, hey, that John wrote his gospel uh, potentially 30 years after Paul had already been in the presence of the Lord, uh, that he was long gone off the scene. And so... Hey, John would have read uh, the Apostle Paul's epistles and those doctrines that he taught. And so he, these things aren't uh, disconnected. And so his person, his work. Uh, you know, but John also tells us here something the other disciples don't tell us. In the other Gospels, we read that uh, he, in Luke, for instance, that the Lord Jesus showed his hands and his feet. Well, here he shows his hands and his side. And so we ask, well, um, I wonder why... Uh, that is and um, well his hands speak of authority his power what about his side well it speaks of his heart and you know this is a a point that that um, uh, Neil Fraser brings out is that you know the Lord Jesus had the power to help but he also had the heart and he said you know that's what's missing Um, that's what's missing so often in the world you know as we think of um, uh, COVID-19 and and um, the world's elite and the rich who are so burdened by um, so burdened by COVID-19 and and um, I think as of yesterday uh, you know 200,000 people have died of COVID in the world and we say that's serious all death is serious and and um, um, but you know in that same period of time this year that 200,000 uh, people have died of COVID, um, you know, uh, nearly a million, nearly a million, uh, mostly children have died of starvation. And, um, you know, that's serious. So if, if, if death is the point, well then, hey, it, it, dying of starvation is a serious thing as well. And, 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 and you know what? 
children who are starving to death, they need food, not a vaccine. They need food. And, and so you, you, you know, have the world's elite and rich who are so, so, so worked up about COVID and um, want to come up with a vaccine uh, and, and have the resources to do it. And that those same resources could be used to uh, feed the feed the starving. But what's missing is not the resources, but it's the heart to do it. You know, and, and and so you see, and sometimes the opposite is true. You know, we want to help our children, and we have the heart to do it, but sometimes we don't have the resources. Well, uh, John is is reminding us that hey, the Lord Jesus, He has the hands, He has the power to do it, and He also has the the heart. Um, then in verse 21, he says, as the father has sent me, I also send you. And, um, this is the incarnation. Um, you know, uh, a couple of months ago, I, um, uh, got into the van and, and, um, you know, my phone just plugs into the stereo and sometimes it starts playing messages uh, that are um, or a message off my phone that's uh, stored in there somewhere. And on this day, it was a, a message by uh, John Stott, and um, it's a numbered message. And there's probably a hundred of them in there. They're not titled. They're numbered. They're nearly impossible to find. I couldn't find the message again if I tried. But but um, uh, what John Stott was talking about, the emphasis of his of his message was this idea that hey, Christians, we agree that um, our mission is connected to the mission of the Lord Jesus. He's, this is not the only reference where the Lord Jesus says, as my Father has sent me, I have sent you. And so uh, John Stott's driving point is this, that, hey, a church that's not missionary-minded, this idea of somehow involved in, in ministering to others, that um, this isn't New Testament Christianity. This isn't what the life of the Lord Jesus looked like. And so... Uh, he said, "Hey, now, um, as we as we reflect on the things we're doing, and the the works we're involved in, um, is you know it needs to be gauged and judged in the light of the incarnation." So he said, "You know, he used an example of this like um, uh, it's good to um, send money to foreign missionaries; they need it, and to move the work of God further along. We we agree with that." But John Stott says, hey, listen, if it was just about sending money, if that was the extent of Christian missions, the Lord Jesus could have stayed in heaven to do that. And, um, hey, we like uh, Facebook Live. But if it was just about videos, uh, the Lord Jesus could have stayed in heaven to do that. And so uh, he said, hey, Christian, let's let's be challenged in thinking that, that there was an incarnation involved, that the Lord Jesus Christ came from heaven that the Word, John says in chapter 1, that the Word became flesh and people handled him. And you remember that that um, John was was moved by this even in his first epistle. He says that that um, we had handled the Word of life. We touched him with our hands. Hey, that, the, that God came in the flesh. You know, the Lord Jesus is God, came in the flesh. And so we want to remember that, um, hey, as the Father sent him, I also, he says, send you. And then he says, um, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven in verse 23. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And so um, this is how intimately the Lord allows us to work with himself. That, that um, you know, that we have this opportunity to, to 
declare to people that, hey, when, when they trust Christ, their sins are forgiven. And if they won't trust Christ, their sins are not forgiven. We say, um, this, isn't, this isn't much different than, you remember back in, in, um, in Old Testament Judaism, that when a man, a leper was cleansed, that he would go to the priest, and the priest, it says, would declare him clean. Well, we know the priest didn't make him clean, but he certainly declared him clean. And we know that, hey, even in the, in the Gospels, the Lord Jesus did. I remember when the lepers came, cleansed. He said, you go, to the, you go to the priest and have them work through how it's supposed to look. And so we have this privilege to um, work with the Lord Jesus intimately. Then the next paragraph is about um, Thomas. And so uh, Thomas was... Um, um, uh, Thomas wasn't there on the Sunday uh, we're referring to uh, on in, in verse 19 through to verse uh, 23. Uh, that's Resurrection Sunday. Thomas wasn't there. He missed the meeting. And um, so you notice uh, the disciples in verse 25, I remember listening to Malcolm Radcliffe some years back, and he said, you know, we would say to Thomas, Thomas, you missed the meeting. Where were you? You should have been there. Uh he said, you notice the disciples, they didn't say that. They said to, to Thomas, Thomas, we've seen the Lord. And uh, Malcolm Radcliffe says, uh, it's never on record that Thomas missed another meeting. And so uh, it's the Lord that, that draws us. And so, uh, of course, uh, Thomas has some struggles. It says he's, He says in verse uh, 25, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side i will not believe and and um and um you know sometimes we're we're uh we're hard on thomas well uh thomas was connected with uh, judaism and really it's good to be reminded that this is the transition of john's gospel he is bringing old testament saints right these 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 men who were Old Testament saints? He, clearly, they were. They were, um, uh, you know, they were were devout Jews, right? And you know, um, you know, Reynolds Showers in his um, in his uh, book, The Foundations of Faith, says that you know, John chapter one is not not um, the conversion of Peter and Andrew and John and James and Philip and Nathaniel. This was not their day of their conversion. He said they were already converted. They, uh, for all we know, uh, they could have been saved, he says, sitting on their, their mother's knee. Um, these were men who were waiting for the Messiah, right? And remember, that's the clear language uh, they, they use, that uh, we have found him. Uh, you remember Andrew Andrew says, we have found him whom we're waiting for. And, and you remember uh, Philip and Nathaniel. Hey, Nathaniel's having uh, devotions under the tree, thinking about Jacob. Uh, you remember the words of the Lord Jesus in John chapter 1. Uh, Behold an Israelite in, in whom is no guile. And, um, and so these were, these were devout Jews, genuine Jews. And, and you remember that... that um, that this was what was happening, and, and that's actually John. Often John's gospel, that's that's the the challenge the Lord Jesus is saying to these uh, these scribes and Pharisees, that you guys aren't true Jews. That's that's your problem. That hey, if you really believed Moses, if you really followed Moses, you would 
receive me. And so what Reynolds Shower says is John chapter 1 is how a genuine, genuine Jew received the Messiah. And, um, and you remember that's what they did. When they heard, they saw, they received. Now, of course, that didn't mean that, that, um, once they, uh, accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as the Messiah, that they were, uh, home and, and, and free on these things. That here's Thomas, uh, like the two on the road to Emmaus, uh, he's struggling with what's gone on, with what's happened. And, um, and, and so he says that unless I see, I won't believe. Well, that's Judaism, right? I mean, uh, we know that in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 28, for instance, that, uh, directly connected with um, obedience is blessing, right? And um, you could look at a Jew who, if you could see a Jew who was doing well financially, you could be sure of this, sure of this, that he was obeying the Lord, that he was following the Lord, and that these things were uh, directly connected. And, and, of course, it's not just Judaism. Uh, that's something to do with the heart of man, because you remember that even in Job's day, that... Um, that um, his friends assumed that because these bad things were happening that he was out of touch with the Lord. Well, you know, that's not exactly true. There was a lot more going on in that story. But, you know, this carried over into even to the New Testament. You remember that uh, earlier in John's Gospel when the disciples were passing by that man who was born blind, they asked the Lord Jesus the question, Lord, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And so they attributed the idea that that bad things happening were connected with disobedience. So we're, we're not um, uh, shocked by this in Thomas's part. Um, this was what he was moving out of. But the Lord Jesus Christ says, Thomas, we need to move forward from that. That there's, there's more. Uh, although uh, the Lord Jesus in grace shows himself to Thomas. And, um, and you know, he's going to do that again. That, that, that host we talked about uh, in in Revelation, uh, saved during the tribulation, that's a movement of grace, and you know that's a direct. Uh, I'll just read you a verse that that's so amazing in in speaking about this or thinking about this in Zechariah uh, chapter twelve. Um, in Zechariah tw- chapter twelve, the Lord says, um, "And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace." And supplication, and notice this, then they will look on me whom they pierced. Uh, and that's really what's happening in um, John chapter 20 in, in Thomas's life, that the Lord Jesus is allowing Thomas, uh, almost as a prelude to what's going to happen in the future. Uh, he says, reach hither your finger, uh, look at my hands, reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not believe, be unbelieving, but believing. And it says, Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God, was this enough for Thomas? Hey, you know, church tradition says that um, uh, Thomas went to uh, India and, uh, you know, and uh, had the privilege of being in India and, and actually being in, in Madras. And, and um, you know, they say that's where uh, Thomas's his body is, is in the basement of a Catholic church in Chennai. And we say this, hey, we know Thomas didn't go to India to plant uh, Catholic churches Thomas went to India uh, to plant New Testament churches, just like in the book of Acts. And, um, hey, Thomas never looked back from this moment that the Lord Jesus Christ, in his grace, uh, showed himself to him. Uh, and he said, but that's not where we're at. The Lord doesn't leave us there. He said, uh, for us, 
He says, Thomas, because you have seen, you have believed. He said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And of course, that's uh, our story. That's where we're at. Then uh, chapter or the end of the chapter, uh, verse 30, the Lord Jesus said, or John says, truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciple, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And we would say this, that, that that's clearly a break, uh, a break in the book. Um, you know, chapter 21 is unique. Uh, verse 1 says, after these things. Uh, we could we could see that even in the book of the Revelation, that, and we're not going to think about that now, but just for your own selves, that, you know, that there's a dispensational truth in the, in the next chapter. Um, uh, you remember that, that uh, Revelation chapter 4, uh, John says, after these things. So just like this in 21, after these things, after what things? Well, after, um, after this age of grace that we're living in. And clearly that's what uh, John, or, sorry, Revelation 4 is about, after these things. Uh, in Revelation you have the church in uh, chapter 2 and chapter 3, the seven churches of the Revelation, and then this clear break uh, in 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 chapter four, uh, the church is now in heaven. We say, how did she get there? She got there by rapture, and um, of course, uh, you know, uh, some have ably pointed out that, that really this is what's happening in chapter twenty-one. Here's the Lord Jesus Christ in the morning, standing on the shore, uh, directing his his disciples uh, in fruitful uh, fruitful fishing or. Uh, fruitful labor for himself, uh, picture uh, of what we're waiting for. You know, this idea that that um, that we're in the night. That's where we're at now. That's the day in which we live. Now it's the day of grace, right? It's the age of grace, the day of grace. But it is the night, and the Lord Jesus is um, is uh, coming again. And and um, hey, now more than ever, uh, we're reminded. We're reminded of how soon the Lord Jesus Christ could come. I mean, you know, hey, three months ago, you heard people talk about, oh, you know, they could never, uh, the events of Bible prophecy could never happen. It would take years for some of these things to happen. Hey, we've basically seen uh, in the last uh, two months, and and it was one week at a time almost, the world shut down. And, um, hey, there's lots of, thankfully... uh, Lots of opportunity for uh, uh, the preaching of of the Word of God. You know, I just read um, just read uh, that a company in California uh, that does uh, Bible books for Twitter. Uh, they're called the Alabaster Company, and so they put uh, Bible books uh, through the Twitter or through Twitter for for young people and. Um, their their sales are up 140 percent in um, in uh, April, or in March. Uh, Tyndale said their sales in March were up 60 uh, percent from the month before. And so, uh, hey, people are looking to the Word of God, and and um, hopefully, as they look to the Word of God, they'll meet the Lord Jesus. That's what John wrote for. He said uh, he wrote his book so that people could meet. The Lord Jesus. Well, we have that opportunity to tell people about Christ. Let's um, let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we're grateful for your word. We're thankful for how it uh, presents to us the Lord Jesus. We're grateful for the 
a resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for the hope we have for the future because of what the Lord Jesus uh, accomplished uh, in John chapter 20, which we've read about this morning, uh, that resurrection Sunday in the garden uh, 2,000 years ago. And we and we praise you for that. We uh, praise you for what you're doing in the world. Uh, we're thankful the Lord Jesus Christ is building his church and the gates of hell are not prevailing against it. We ask that uh, you would uh, use us to uh, minister the Lord Jesus Christ to a hurting world, to our uh, neighbors, uh, to our loved ones. Help us to um, uh, put uh, into practice the words of the Lord Jesus, that as you sent him into the world, Father, that even so he sends us. And so we ask for help, for wisdom in these things. Thank you for your people. And we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.